You know, we used to talk about the choices that people made. Fifty years ago, some people made a choice and made commitments and bought some property over on Granada. And about 40 years ago, they made a commitment to build a building. And 30 years after that, a commitment to add on. And then 15 years ago, some people made a commitment to step out here. And as a result of that, thousands of people have ended up hearing the gospel. They've gotten to see Jesus. They've gotten to be sent out to change the world. So it takes all of it, and it's the legacy that we're leaving behind. And we're going to talk about that when we started it last week. But here's my, here's my core statement. I say it to my children. You say it to your children. It, my parents said it to me. Options have consequences. I didn't learn it very well. Dad said it a long time. Joe, you can do anything you want. There's a lot of choices you can make in this world, but your choices always have consequences. Now, tragically in our culture today, a lot of people don't receive the consequences, at least for a while. But long term, there are always consequences for our choice. You're like, well, I've been doing this for 10 years and I've been getting away with it. Sooner or later, there are consequences for every choice you make, good one or a bad one. Would you agree with that? There, there's always a choice. Now, I want you to listen. Just This is going to get heavy today, so just we're going to make it easy. There's seat belts that we've installed. If you'll reach over and grab that and just buckle yourself in, pull it tight, pull it tight. It could be, could be some turbulence, all right? I'm just, I'm just letting you know, all right? Chris Cuomo on CNN made this statement. He said, you serious Christians need to go away. There is no place in America for you. Now, let me tell you what he meant by that. Because he went on, actually. He went on to say, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we're all Christians. That's exactly how he said it. And I quote. What he meant was, those, those of you that take your faith seriously... Those of you that believe the Bible, those of you that believe the history of the Bible, those of you who believe in ethics, those of you who believe in what a marriage is a man and a woman, there is no place. You can do religion. You can do religion. But there is no place in America for true Christians. That's what he said. That's what he said on national television. Now, you and I have to understand, if you don't see the battle there, and if you don't understand where you stand in that statement, it ought to scare you to death. Because the idea is, oh, listen, we're all Christians, and at the end we all go to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe or what you do. And obviously I'm, you know, it's like, no, no, that's not true. Then his brother, who's the governor of New York, said there is no place, this is a quote, there is no place in the state of New York for anyone who's pro-life. Okay, so we don't want any babies to be born in New York, and it's okay to kill unborn children. Guys, this stuff ought to scare you to death. If you can't see the dividing line between people who claim to be followers of Jesus and who really are followers of Jesus, there's something badly wrong here. So we're going to look at that today because in the book of Malachi, last book in the Old Testament, all right, here's what's fascinating about Malachi. It's written about 2,400 years ago. And he's writing to Jewish people, primarily the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. He's writing to the priests. He's writing to the teachers. He's writing to the Levites. And all of their hearts have grown cold. 
They literally say, what a waste of time it is to worship God. This is the priest. We don't really want to be bothered with offering God sacrifices. See, to be a sacrifice, it had to be a perfect spotless lamb. You didn't bring in perverted animals to be sacrificed to God. Because God deserved the best because the ultimate sacrifice would be who? It would be Jesus, God's own son, a perfect sacrifice. But these priests said, you know what? That lamb, blind, broken leg, no good for the, no good for breeding, no good for the market. They literally said, that's good enough for God. God didn't take that very well. Now, just to give you perspective, okay? In our culture today, the church talks a lot about grace, as well we should. God's forgiveness, God's love. But there was a time in church history where we only talked about damnation. Maybe you grew up in that church where every week you didn't know from week to week if you're being condemned to hell. Well, there is a balance. There is a balance where you can know I've accepted Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm following. I am saved. I am saved. But nobody wants to talk about the judgment side of God. And when you read the book of Malachi, you'll find out that God takes our commitments very seriously. Literally, they said, why bother keeping God's commands? Let's just do whatever we want. After all, we're good religious people. Meanwhile, they're sacrificing to false gods. They're sacrificing their children to pagan gods to appease these pagan gods. It's all going on and they're just bored with God. Let me tell you something. If you're bored with God, you don't know, you don't know him. You haven't found that relationship yet that God wants you to have. All right. Let's stand with me out of respect. I kind of gave you the summary. It's only four chapters. The whole, the whole book is four chapters. But we're going to just look at this one section, Malachi 3, 6 to 12. The Lord, now, Malachi, when he writes, he always uses the phrase, Lord Almighty. All right, Lord in itself ought to be enough. But just in case you didn't figure that out, Lord Almighty, supreme, supreme, supreme. Got it? Got it? Okay. I, the Lord, do not change. You want a New Testament reference to that? Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what do we hear? What do we hear on the news? Could go back to some of those same people, or you can hear it anywhere else. You can hear it from a lot of bad preachers. Listen, this is the 21st century. You can't expect the Bible to be true in our brilliant, enlightened culture. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, descendants of Israel, you're not destroyed because God is gracious. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you. It sounds harsh, but hear the Father's heart. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask... How are we to return? So in Hebrew writing, you answered a question with a question. So they say, how will we return to you? And here's God's answer. Will a mere mortal rob God? You answer a question with a question. How will I return to you? Will a mere mortal rob God? In other words, you ought to be able to figure this out. Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. 
You are under a curse, the whole nation. See, the nation is, is, gets the consequences of God's people because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring the crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You can be seated. Now, there's so much here. There's so much I have to teach you, and there's so much I have to unteach you because of all that's been taught wrongly about this passage. So we're, we're going we're gonna to just dig right in. The first, the first thing he says is, return to me. Return to me. Turn back. That means if, if you have to return, that it, there's a positive there. It means you have been there. You, you, you know what it's like to be in a right relationship with God, but you've chosen to go the other way. Remember, they used to do worship. They used to go to worship. They used to serve. They used to do the right sacrifices. But somewhere along the way, they said, this is a waste of time. Why are we bothering with God? We're so, we're so sophisticated and we're so smart. And why would we need to do this? And the father's heart said, if you'll return to me, I'll return to you. Can I tell you what it says if you're looking a little closer? If you don't return to me, I won't return to you. You see, God says, I'm here. I'm standing here. But it's up to you to decide what you want. The choice is there. Choices have what? Consequences. Return to me and I'll return to you. That works individually. It works in your marriage. It works as a church. It works as a nation. Return to me and I'll return to you. To you. Now, when I hear that phrase, the first thing that popped into my mind, because I'm old, was General MacArthur saying, I will return to the Philippines. If you remember that story, there were thousands of Americans that died. MacArthur got out, and MacArthur got back in with a, with a camera crew, but thousands of Americans died defending that land, trying to liberate the Philippines. That was... One of the great tragedies that we don't talk about a whole lot. Um, but there's a picture. And that, that picture was all about, you know, it's America. It's us winning. And he sent a photo crew ahead so that he could stride ashore with his pipe in his mouth. And MacArthur says, I have returned in the newsreels. And look, America's on top again. And all of this propaganda. But... The truth is, we did return, and we did, we did finally liberate the Philippines, but at a very high cost. And God says to us, if you'll return to me through Jesus, there was a high cost for me to get back right with God. Jesus died on that cross so that you and I could get right with him. He made that choice. But so often, I'm going to tell you the problem, okay? We get so hung up on what else is out there that we're afraid to let it go and grab a hold of God. Why would you not return to God? Hey, who wants to go to hell? Can I see a show of hands? Probably not going to get a lot. Maybe some crazy people on the street. But most people, if you ask them, oh, I intend to go to heaven. Well, what's your plan? They don't have a plan. They have no idea about Jesus. They don't know. They just think, I'm going to be a good person, which means I recycle. 
I mean, that's really what kind of people's thoughts are uh, in our world today. There's a story out of Australia. A guy caught a crocodile. Somebody said this is an alligator, not a crocodile. I don't know if it, what it is. Either way, you want to stick your hand in his mouth? All right. A guy in Australia, true story, he was fishing and he caught a crocodile. Now, this is not unusual. It can be done. Here's the crazy part of the story. The guy said, I almost lost my hand getting my lure back. (laughs) Now, let me help you here. When you come to a situation like that, cut the line. I'll give you five bucks for a new lure. All right? If you've got a crocodile or an alligator on the line, cut the line. Does that make sense? And think about the things that you are caught up in right now. I'm not even, I don't even need to list it. You think about the things that you are caught up in that are pulling you away from God. What's keeping you from serving, giving, loving, finding a right relationship with God. All the perverted things in your life. You've got your hand literally in the crocodile's mouth. And God's saying, return to me. Cut the line. Return to me. And I'll return to you. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then. The word repent means to turn. Repent and turn to God. So you can repent and still not turn the right way. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If you've not accepted Jesus yet, if you're watching online, Palm Bay, to land, we're so glad you're there. If you're watching there, there's people there to help you. There's a button you can push. I've decided. I want Jesus. People will help you. Over here, decisions banner. People will help you. They'll pray with you, help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. But there has to be, first of all, a conscious choice to cut the line and turn and return to God. And then they ask that great question. How will we return to God? Now, you'll see Jesus Jesus uses this all the time. They'll ask Jesus a question and Jesus will answer them with a question. Because Jewish people knew the Bible so well that, remember, everybody's memorized it. They've got Genesis to Malachi memorized. So for them, it's just a game. So when a question would be asked, you would always answer with a question showing that you understood the answer to their question and you would force them to answer their own question by going back to Scripture. Is that a long story, right? So you always answer, if you know your Bible, you answer a question with a question. How will we return to you? Will a man rob God? See, that's a normal Jewish move because it forces them to think. And what do they say next? A question. Well, how have we robbed, how have we robbed God? It says with tithes and offerings. Now, this is the point where to get real quiet. It's okay. It's all right. Because you, you need to understand the biblical teaching on this principle. People get so nervous about tithing. The word tithe means 10%. So God deserves our first 10%. The average American Christian gives less than 2%. And we wonder why we're not changing the world. Now, does God need your money? No. Can the church make it without your money? Yes. Do I need to give my money? Yes. There is, it's the only place that God says, test me. Test me and see if I won't take care of you. Now, again, here's the false teaching. If you give $100 today, God's going to give you a Corvette. 
No. No, because it's not all about this world. There's something far greater coming. But let me explain to you the whole concept. So when you tithe, yes, that it builds buildings, it plants churches in India, it feeds hungry people in Pearson. Um, we rescue people in Honduras that are on roofs because of uh, hurricanes. Uh, all, all of that is a result of what happens when, when you faithfully give. But Christians get so nervous and they say things like this. Well, that's an Old Testament principle. Oh, you're right, although Jesus teaches on it too. Uh, if 10% is what I gave under the law, and now I'm saved by grace, and I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven, would I give less or more? Let me try that again. Since I'm saved by grace, would I give less or more? Well, let me tell you what the actual tithing men in the Old Testament, all right, just to make you more nervous. A Jewish person in the Old Testament gave 30% to God. 10% went to the temple to do kind of what we do here. It, it ran the temple, it, it, it uh, provi provided for the, the building, it provided for the priest, all of that kind of stuff. 10% went to the poor, widows, orphans, okay? And then this is my favorite 10%. 10% of their yearly income they would save for a one-week party to celebrate God every year. Now think about that. So every year we have this party. Your kids, what happens during that one week? Oh, we've got presents, we've got food, it is a celebration, all the family comes together, all the neighbors come together, and for one week a year, we celebrate our God. We celebrate our Creator, we celebrate our Savior. Would the kids ever forget that? Man, it's Christmas on steroids. That's the Old Testament picture, so you get nervous about 10%. They gave 30%. When he says that, when he says, you've robbed me by not giving tithes and offerings, there's a much broader picture here. And it's about our dependence upon God. God, I trust you. And people say, well, I can't afford to tithe. Listen, I've been doing this a long, long time. I started tithing when I was 14. And here's what I know. Through my darkest days, when I could not have been further away from Jesus... I never missed a tithe. And I really think in some ways God said as screwed up as he is, he at least keeps that one commandment. And I think God rewarded that and said, I'm not going to let you go, son. And I can't explain it. I'm just telling you. I, I learned this principle. One principle my pastor put into me, he said, you be faithful to God and God will never forget about you. It was just a simple, simple statement. I can't afford to tithe. You know what I found in my life? I can afford to do just about whatever I want. If it's priority, I do it. Right? You say, well, I want a new truck. I want a new hot tub. I've seen the hot tub that they were blessed with. It's a very nice one, by the way. Um, we all figure out how to do what we want to do. Would you agree with that? I mean, you may be in a difficult time at the moment, but, but we all figure out how to do what we want to do. And it's a choice to say, God, I trust you. Now, here's what we do, all right? I haven't done this for years, but we have done it for years, too. If you will, if you will test God, if you say, God, I'm going to try this. If you will tithe three months, if God doesn't bless you, you call me or email me, we'll give you money back. No questions asked. 
You just say, hey, it didn't work. I'll give you your money back. Now, I did have to put this stipulation in last night. You have to give the right way. You can't just say, hey, Joe, I gave $30,000 in cash. Yeah, no. Um, you give by check. You give in an envelope. You be faithful to God for three months. You don't even have to take the risk. The church will take the risk. We believe God. If God doesn't bless you, you tell us. We'll go back in the records and we'll cut you a check, give you your money back. We're that confident that God will be faithful to you and your family. Now, the funny thing is that you would trust me and not God. But that's, um, I, am, I am telling you that that's, that's, that that's what we will do. Um, as, you, as you read on in this section, you, you realize that there's so much going on in this whole idea. Because it's not about the money, it's about the heart. What's really important to me? What do I value? All right. Some pastors say it this way. They'll say, you know what? Um, you can't afford to tithe, but you came to church today in a stolen car. You can't afford to tithe, but you wore stolen clothes to church. Now, I would never say that. Some other pastors have said that. I would, I would never say that. We all do what we want to do. It's a choice. And I, listen, I can't tell you what to do. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm telling you what the biblical principles are and how they work. Now, so what do I get out of this? Is there a promise that I'm going to have a perfect marriage and all my problems are going to go away? No, not at all. The promise is God said, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and I will bless you in ways that you could never possibly imagine. He didn't tell us the details of that. He just said, you trust me and watch me do my work. I like that. I like that. Because it's tangible. God said, let's see. Let's see if you've got the courage to trust me. Then we get to the reward part. All right, This is the part that I think we're all more comfortable with. He said, you trust me and watch me bless you. What's the promise? He said, well, I'll, I'll make sure the grain doesn't get eaten up. I'll make sure this happens. I'll make sure that happens. But when you turn your back on God, that's when we see the judgment come. And you may not even realize that that's what's taken place. It's kind of like with, with cotton candy. How many of you like cotton candy? Right? Everybody likes it, whether you admit it or not. The truth is, with cotton candy, it doesn't last. It's sweet, it's wonderful, but it's very short. Why don't we invest in something that matters? Now, there are times when I want cotton candy, so do you. But given the choice between cotton candy and a piece of steak... The steak will last a lot longer. The steak will do a whole lot for me, more for me, than the cotton candy, right? It'll do a whole lot more for me. But there's still something in us that says, i got to have all this temporary stuff. i got to have all this stuff that's, that's up front. In Joshua 7, uh, go back to the, the story of when they were invading Jericho. Remember that story? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Wasn't really a fight. They marched around the city. The walls fell down. Remember that story? It's in Joshua 6. Well, God had one provision that he made. He said, don't take anything. Now, wait a minute. This, you know the statement. To the victor goes the, the spoils. But Israel didn't win the battle. God did. So God told Israel... When I give you the city of Jericho, 
he said, do not take anything from it. Well, there was a guy named Achan. Achan was mistaken. Achan went in and Achan took gold and silver and some robes. And before the story's over, he's condemned to death, his wife, his children, all because of his action, because consequences have actions or choices have consequences. There we go. We'll get it right. Choices have consequences. And that's, you can read it. It's in Joshua 7, 11. It said, the things that belong to God were stolen. You see, God wanted to give them everything. God was going to bless them with everything that was there. But instead of receiving what God had, they decided they'd just take it for themselves. Look, I don't know where you're at. I think the key to this whole passage is not money. The key to the whole passage is to the return. Because if I return to God, if I get right with God, my life will get in order, my ethics will get in order, my sexuality will get in order, my marriage will get in order. But it starts where God started. Return to me and I'll return to you. One last story. This picture of Harry Cheedy. Harry played baseball in 1962. If you know who Harry is, you seriously trump me as a baseball fan. In baseball, they make trades sometimes where a guy's not very good and somebody might just need somebody to fill a spot for a little bit. So they'll make a trade, and they make a trade for a player to be named later. This guy is so unimportant that you can just have him, and when you've got somebody you don't want, just send him over here. We don't really care, okay? So Harry goes from the Cubs to the Mets. He plays for three months. He's so terrible that after three months, they sent him back. He was the player to be named later. He's the only guy in history to be traded for himself. And the Cubs got him back in the trade. You and I are going to stand before Jesus one day and you can say, God, I'm here to represent myself. Or you go in and you say, Lord, I, am, I don't want to represent myself. I want to make a trade. I like Jesus. I'd like Jesus to take my place. That decision has to be made here. Once you cross over, it's too late. That decision has to be made here and now. Remember this. You can choose whatever you want. Life is full of choices, but choices always have consequences. Father, I pray that we would return to you. That's my biggest prayer, that I would return to you. That I would have a heart of worship, a heart of prayer a heart of giving, a heart of serving. That we wouldn't even have to ask, God, how do I return to you? Because we would know exactly what it means. We know what line needs to be cut so that we can be right with you. In Jesus' name.